Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Now I don't know if you've ever had a time in your life where you felt like you were in limbo. You may have been living in one place, but that one place was just a means to an end of getting to your next place. In fact, if you could get from this phase to that phase right away, many of you would probably want to do that. And for some of you, maybe living in limbo right now, you may have your, your eyes on a future transition. You're ready to go. You're physically here, but you're mentally and emotionally somewhere else. Maybe you're living in the village right now and you cannot wait to get out of the village. You've disengaged. You're living in limbo until you can get out. Some of you just moved to the village and you still feel like you're in limbo. You're, you're taking your time before you engage relationships or even choose a church. And so you kind of see this time as a long transition that's really drawing out. But there are some of you who are in limbo right now because you're waiting for a specific diagnosis or you're waiting for a healing. And in your mind, you're going to put everything else on hold until that happens. But there's a problem. You see, when we're living in a state of limbo, waiting for the next move or change or the next phase of life, you fail to be all here in your present phase of life. And when you fail to be all here exactly where you are physically and you're mentally and emotionally somewhere else, then you're putting yourself in a place where you're not fully engaging where you're at. And let me tell you a big, something that's amazing. Where you're at right now is where God has you. I'm just saying, I see you. God has you here. And He wants you engaged fully for His glory where you're at right now. Not some future phase or the next stage of life. No, right here, right now. He wants you fully engaged for His glory. And I guess challenging because I understand things are hard. You can have a lot of problems. You're ready to get out of this phase and move on to the next. But this is where He has you for His glory. And this morning, we're going to look at another group of believers who are facing a lot of challenges, who are ch facing a lot of troubles that I'm sure they would, would rather escape. And yet, God wanted them fully engaged for His glory. We're going to look at the book of 1 Peter this entire fall. I don't know if you've ever studied the book of 1 Peter before, but let's go ahead and turn there. The Apostle Peter has written this letter to the churches in order to encourage them to endure in the face of suffering. They had a variety of trials and tribulations and they needed to press on with this living hope. And their hope was to be in the risen Christ in anticipation of soon being with Him forever. We're just going to look at two verses this morning in an initial greeting, and yet this initial greeting is filled with significant truth. 
And I want to break down this greeting into two parts. The first part is Trinitarian collaboration. Trinitarian collaboration. And the second part is scattered aliens. Scattered aliens. And I'm going to flesh that out a little bit as we go along. But let's go ahead and jump into 1 Peter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter was an apostle of Jesus who followed him while he was on this earth. He was a very serious apostle and sometimes faulty follower of Jesus like the rest of us. And here he's called an apostle of Jesus Christ, which basically means that he is a messenger and has this authoritative voice to speak and write God's words. He is sent with an authority from God for the people of God. He has a word of God for the people of God, which should give you confidence as you read these verses this morning, you are hearing from God Himself. The letter is addressed to a group of scattered aliens. I'm going to come back to that phrase later on. But it's a phrase used to describe the believers in these churches. These churches were located in Asia Minor, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And his letter would travel from one church to the next. It's almost in a circular pattern the letter would go. And each of these churches were undergoing trials and tribulations and were encouraged to press on with living hope in Jesus. Now Peter hits us with some serious truth at the end of verse 1. I want to make sure you see it. Look at the end of verse 1 going into verse 2. Who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. This is a great example of the Trinity contained in just two verses. And before we move on to discuss Trinitarian collaboration, I think it's going to be helpful to give you a quick explanation of the Trinity. Ha. A quick explanation of the Trinity. Let me try this for a little bit. There is one God in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One scholar has said, there are not three gods, nor do the three persons merely represent different aspects or modes of a single God. There's one God and three persons. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. The Father is not the Spirit. And the Spirit is not the Son. And the Spirit is not the Father or the Son. Yet, one God in three persons. It's amazing truth taught in Scripture that is times hard to explain and hard to fathom. But for our purposes this morning, we're going to talk about something called Trinitarian collaboration. That is to say that each person of the Trinity played a part in your salvation. They worked in complete unity with each member playing a distinct part. 
The Father chooses, the Spirit sanctifies, and the Son redeems. The Father chooses, the Spirit sanctifies, and the Son redeems. Let's move back to the text and look at the Father choosing. By the way, this is why we preach through the Bible. We don't skip parts. Things came up that will make you scratch your head and make you wonder, how can that be? It may hit you different than you're thinking, but that's why we study it. This is one of those truths. Look at verse 1 and 2 about the Father. It talks about us who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. The foreknowledge here just doesn't mean that God knew that you would be part of his family. It means that he set his redeeming love and his sovereign choice on these believers. And he made sure that they would be reconciled to him. Their salvation is not a fluke of existence, but part of a God's eternal plan. If you are a believer in Jesus, this is your story and what is true of you. Before the world began, God the Father set his affection on you and made a sovereign choice of grace to make you a part of his eternal family. Before the world even began, God's love was locked in on you. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6 confirms that just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. If you are a believer, you have been included in God's forever plan to save you from your sins, adopt you as a family, and bring him praise forever. His motive and love aimed at you is not based upon anything in you. It wasn't based upon your future choice of him. Specifically, we see his motive, according to Ephesians, as the kind intention of his will. Now, I'll just be the first to admit, foreknowledge, election, predestination, you may say you don't believe in foreknowledge, election, and predestination. Well, the reality is the Bible uses those terms and teaches that theology. You have to figure out from the context what it means. And at times, I, I don't know how to explain all of it. It's a, it's a mystery to me, but I do know this. Election, predestination, foreknowledge, dive in and study it. Study it as much as you want. But at the end of the day, foreknowledge, election, predestination is not meant for us to debate and argue over. It's meant for us to worship. That's why it's in the Bible. That's why Peter brings it up. That's why Paul brings it up. Your salvation story started before the world began. That's a crazy thought, right? In the mind and heart of God, it started before the world began. 
The Father chooses. The next part is the Spirit sanctifies. Look at verse 2. The Spirit's work is here in verse 2. By the sanctifying work of the Spirit. When you, you read that, that word, you may think of the big phrase, progressive sanctification, which is the growth and holiness over time produced by the power of the Holy Spirit. But in this context, it's talking about conversion. The sanctifying work of the Spirit is the work of the Spirit where He sets apart the believer for God. The gospel goes out and is proclaimed and the Holy Spirit quickens, stirs up, and makes alive and separates people for God. God the Father chooses, the Holy Spirit intervenes and makes alive. You did not hear the gospel one day and think to yourself, that sounds like a good deal. The Holy Spirit was at work causing you to repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ. You were dead, and the Holy Spirit brought you to life. The Father chooses. The Holy Spirit sanctifies. And lastly, the Son redeems. Back to verse 2. Who were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, and here it is, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. God chooses, the Spirit sanctifies, and the results are obedience to Jesus and the sprinkling of His blood. There's just two parts here. The first part is human obedience of faith. Is faith a work? No. Is faith obedience? Yes. Specifically in this context, it says to obey Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.5, he calls this the obedience of faith. In Romans 16.26, he calls this the obedience of faith. When you hear the gospel, what does obedience look like? It looks like repentance and faith. What if someone hears the gospel and does not respond? It's called disobedience we believe the good news and i'm not going to get into it right now you're saying well how does foreknowledge predestination election fall into place with belief i don't know how it all comes together but i say if you do not believe in the good news of jesus christ you will be lost forever it's the obedience of faith but it also includes the cross look at the second part of that it says, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. This is Christ's work on behalf of sinners. I want to make sure I really slow down here. Through his death on the cross, his blood was spilled. And did you know that on the cross, his blood being spilled is turning away the wrath of the Father? And just like blood will be sprinkled on the old covenant believers to ratify the covenant, so with us, the blood of Jesus Christ is spilled on the cross and those who put their faith in Christ are redeemed and reconciled to the Father through Jesus and their sins are forgiven. The Father chooses, the Spirit sanctifies, 
and the Son redeems. Trinitarian collaboration. Have you ever thought about it that way before? If someone were to ask you, when were you saved? Let me give you an interesting answer that you can give them. I've read this and I'm going to share with you my testimony with an eternal twist. When was I saved? As far as the Father is concerned, He chose me before the foundation of the world. As far as the Son is concerned, He died for me on the cross. As far as the Spirit is concerned, I was saved in the summer of 1991 at a summer camp when I repented of my sin and put my faith in Jesus Christ. Praise God for Trinitarian collaboration, for my salvation and yours. Praise the Lord. The Father chooses, the Spirit sanctifies, and the Son redeems. But now that you're saved... You're part of God's family, and you're called alien, an alien. What does that mean? Look at verse 1 again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered. Are we talking about Martians? Are we talking about extraterrestrial beings? No. We're talking about those who are away from their homeland. Peter also uses this terminology in chapter 2. In 1 Peter 2.11, he also talks about aliens. Peter 2.11, he says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. So we're talking about aliens and strangers. I want you to think about people who are away from their homeland. We could also use the term of sojourners, exiles, or even pilgrims. It's people with their home and their country of origin elsewhere. And this terminology used to be used to refer to the Jews, the Jews being scattered all over the world. But right now, the church of Jesus Christ is scattered. Jews and Gentiles who have put their faith in Christ are, are scattered aliens. This world is not your home. The Bible describes believers as sojourners with a citizenship in, in heaven. Philippians 3.20 Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is not your home. You are a sojourner. You are an exile. You are an alien. Let me explain. This world, no matter how beautiful it seems, right now is the domain of the evil one. And you, before you were a believer, you once lived in your sins in the kingdom of darkness, separated from a holy God. When you repent and put your faith in Jesus, there is a transfer of kingdoms. There is a transfer of citizenship. We are no longer in the kingdom of darkness, but now live in the kingdom of light. And now we live in God's kingdom. Our bodies are still here. 
Well, we've spiritually transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We now obey Jesus Christ, but our bodies are still here and our home is elsewhere. Our home is in heaven, yet we're physically in this domain of darkness. And you could say, we live in between two worlds. We live in between two worlds. Since our citizenship is in heaven, we now live here as aliens and sojourners. All right, so far so good. Tell me this. If this world's not our home, if our citizenship is elsewhere, if we're in between two worlds, what are the implications and the ramifications of living as aliens and sojourners? It's very possible that this is a topic that I've thought more about than almost any other topic. If I was in the mood to write lots of books, which I'm not really in the mood for, but I would write a book and title it Invested Sojourners. Invested Sojourners. And rather than write that book, I just want to give it to you briefly here. And in that book and in this conversation, I want to explain the ramifications and the implications of you being a sojourner with your home elsewhere. What does it mean for you to live on this earth now while you wait to be with Jesus? And I've broken it down into three parts. And the three parts are settle, grow, and invest. And for those of you who are really sophisticated, I've even created hand motions. (laughs) Settle, grow, invest. Let's do that together. Settle, grow, and invest. All right. Let's start with settle. There's a good chance that many of you find yourselves in circumstances that are painful and challenging. And maybe you think that some type of change will bring you grace and peace. For those of you who are caregivers, maybe you're at a point right now that you just want to just get away, to leave, to to flee altogether. Or maybe those of you who are dealing with difficult children, whether they are small or adult children, and you just want the drama to stop. And maybe you think that some type of change will finally bring you grace and peace. Let me encourage you to do this. Settle. Don't run away. This earth is not your home. It is filled with pain and suffering. And rather than run away, move away, or numb the pain, settle down. God has you at this place in your life right now. And some words that I need to hear, I'm just going to preach to myself as I preach to you. Don't prematurely look for a way out but settle down and let God work it out. Don't prematurely look for a way out, but settle down and let God work it out. You may be restless. I get restless. You may be ready to move on, but we won't be at rest until we're at home with our Lord in heaven. Settle. This is not our home. Settle. But This is where you're at physically. Settle. But also, it's wise to grow. 
Have you ever felt like you were in a spiritually neutral phase of your life? That you were kind of stuck in one phase and you were thinking once you moved on, then you're going to get serious about the Lord. Once your circumstances change, then you were going to engage with Jesus. Once things could be totally transitioned for you, then you were going to be on fire for the Lord. I hate to break it to you. If you're not on fire in this phase of life, you're not going to be the next phase of life. If you're not engaged in the word this, this time in, in your journey, don't think there's going to be some gradual or radical transition where you're all of a sudden going to get in the word. In fact, I would say there should not be, and I don't actually believe, there are neutral phases of your walk with the Lord. There is no neutral phase where you're just coasting along, neither good nor bad. We do not want to enter these phases where we are slacking off because you need to understand that God has ordained whatever stage you're in right now for you to grow. And I believe 25% of you do not believe that that God has ordained this phase of your life right now for your growth. It's hard to believe, right? That he wants you to deal with the addiction now, not later. That he wants you to grow in the word now, not when you feel better. That he wants you to confront the anger problem now, not in the next phase of your life. You think, well, I'm going to be a lot more generous with my money once I have some money. No, 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 no. Get generous now. You'll be generous later. Now is the time to grow in the Lord. And I'm not talking about some growth where you take your little blanket and coffee and go off into the woods and read the Bible by yourself and have some ecstatic experience with the Lord. That's fine. But your growth is going to happen in the context of community. We're starting up small groups right now. Let me encourage you to get in one for your growth. We have unbelievable Sunday school classes. We're not just doing that for fun. We're doing that so you can grow in the Word. The same thing with our men's Bible studies, our women's Bible studies. We want you to grow. We have a whole ministry fair. Get out there. That's for your growth. During this phase of your life, not the next one. Now, settle, grow, and invest. One more being an as, uh, aspect of being an alien or stranger is you're supposed to be investing in others. You're not trying to just sit around and just waiting to be home with the Lord, but you invest in others now. My wife went to college at the University of North Texas, and while she was there, she invested in high school girls. It was a very significant time in her life where she got into the lives of these messy young women. And God used her during the time where she was in college to disciple other women. She was a part of leading one girl to Christ. In fact, she counseled another woman away from having an abortion but to pursue adoption. And my wife did not enter her college phase thinking, okay, I'm just here to study and to get my degree and move on. God brought her to that phase to invest in other people. And I'm not sure if you see your life like this, but God brought you to the village primarily, oh, I said that primarily, to grow and invest in other people. He did not bring you here primarily so that you can live large. He didn't bring you here so you can primarily play golf. 
It's not like, okay, I've worked hard my whole life. When I get to retirement, I'm going to look at the village brochure, and it's going to say, you can coast the rest of your life. God brought you here during this phase to grow and to invest in other people. And that is what he's calling you to do. He didn't just bring you here for you. He brought you here for other people. Settle, grow, invest. So for all of you in here right now who feel like your life is in limbo, it's like you're just waiting for the next phase, waiting for the next stage. God has you here right now, and he's got a purpose for you. And he doesn't want you to coast And he doesn't want you just sticking around waiting for things to develop. He wants you to settle down, to grow, and invest right now for his glory. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.